Whether you hug the infield tires or rip the cushion, you found the fastest dirt track podcast in motorsports. Welcome to Where Legends Are Made, the official podcast of Land of Legends Raceway. Here's Stephen and Brad Ovens. Hello, Land of Legends fans. Welcome to episode number one of Where Legends Are Made, the official podcast of the Land of Legends Raceway. Stephen and Brad Ovens with you here for this week's episode. And we have got racing to talk about for the first time in 2020. And Brad, what a week of racing we had. We've had two races since uh, our pilot episode of the podcast came out. And man, we'll talk about some great racing we had. Yeah, absolutely. You can't ask for any better racing right out of the gate. And uh, I think it was really good to see, you know, just with the uncertainty of, how the uh, new clay is going to do, how the track's going to hold up, whether or not it's going to be racy or not. Kind of hit a little bit of a dry spell here with a lot of hot, hot days and not a whole lot of rain to put a lot of moisture down into the racetrack yet. From everything the drivers have been saying, that track's still got a lot of moisture in it and and hopefully more good stuff to come. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of good stuff to come. And, and if the racing Saturday night and uh, this past Tuesday was any indication, I think we're in for a very exciting season uh, at the half mile on the property of the Ontario County Fairgrounds. Let's dive right into the week that was. Uh, this past Saturday uh, was, was, of course, Super Gen Products Night. We had all of our divisions in competition uh, spread out throughout the day. And Brad, I, I think that that is a format that uh, starting this week, if you're listening to the podcast here on Friday, starting tomorrow uh, with our June 13th show, everybody is going to race together in one show uh, starting a little bit earlier than we normally would. We're going to kick it off at 630. Brad, I like this move. I, I think they needed to do that. They need, you needed to separate things up just a little bit because you didn't know what to expect car count wise and, and just the process itself. And a lot of drivers that I've talked to said that the process of signing in and, and paying to get in and all of that was just, just absolutely seamless. Uh, it was a great process, got people moved right in. And now that we kind of see a little bit of the numbers that, that we had on Saturday, you know, Paul, Greg, everybody there at the track, comfortable enough to move this to a one event format in the evening. And I know the street stock and the hobby stock guys will look forward to that as well. With that being said, your takeaways from our first two shows, Saturday and Tuesday night, what, what was your uh, big takeaway out of the events? My big takeaway, I think, is just the fact that we can successfully hold a racing event, can fill the pits full of cars, got the entire fairgrounds to use and the biggest thing for me personally was just being able to put on a good show the show on the racetrack our production from the production side of it with land of legends raceway tv a lot of really good things came out of it and i think we proved that we can and we will be one of the top tier uh productions as far as uh subscription racing goes until we can get the fans back i had two big takeaways from the weekend number one Hats off to Lee DePew and the track crew. Hats off to Paul Cole for getting the clay down back in the fall when they did. Um, they wanted to put, they, they knew the track needed clay right away. And, and you're going to hear that in this week's episode with our sit down with Paul Cole. They knew, everybody knew the track needed clay. 
you know, for for reasons, you know, that that they couldn't get around, they couldn't do it right away. Uh, they they approached this the right way. They got the clay down. They gave it the time that it needed to settle, to bond together, to to be what we saw this weekend. And the racing was lights out. The other thing that is my takeaway from these first two shows is the Land of Legends Raceway fans and the motorsports fans in the Northeast. I'd put those fans up against anybody. We had our largest live crowd uh, watching the broadcast on Tuesday night. Largest crowd since they started doing live streaming at Land of Legends on Tuesday night. The fans turned out and uh, they got to see a great show. Those are our takeaways here from the opening two events. And we are now going to transition into heat race number one. Let's go ahead and get them lined up. Well, as the race cars roll off here for heat race number one, this is the first heat race of our podcast here tonight. And during heat race number one, we talk about the top 10 finishers from the past week's events. And we've got two of those to go through. So let's get right at it. And let's get into results from Saturday, June 6th. Opening night at the Land of Legends Raceway. It was Super Gen Products Night. And we started it off with an afternoon matinee, which fans got to see live on Land of Legends TV. And picking up his first career win in the hobby stock division. That's where we'll start this first heat race off with. Brian Lloyd, driver out of Branchport, New York, picked up his first career win at the Land of Legends. Sean Lloyd came home in second. Now, that those Lloyd, they are related. The uh, cousin to each other. Tyler Burnell led a a majority of that race and uh, comes home in third. Justin Eldridge and Casey Wagner were there as well, but were not able to start the feature events. There's your hobby stock finish order in the street stocks, an exact opposite of what we saw in the hobby stocks. Brian Lloyd got his first win. Mike Welch got his 81st career win at the land of legends. He got the win over Glenn Reitner, Mark Minutlo, Jared Hill finished fourth. Jimmy Grant scored the top five. Josh Pangrazio in uh, uncharacteristic sixth-place finish here on opening night. Quinn Sutherland, who got a win earlier in the weekend, finished seventh. Carl Johnson was eighth. Parker Smith, ninth. And C.J. Guary was tenth. And, uh, Brad, I I think the big thing that I saw at the afternoon matinee was Mike Welch. My goodness. He absolutely drove away from the pack a five-second lead at the end of that race for career win number 81 there for Mike Welch. Moving on to the evening nightcap show. And we'll start it off with the Mike Emhoff Motorsports 305 Sprint Cars. They had seven cars in attendance, and due to Mother Nature coming in and giving us rain and having to really speed the show up, uh, seven cars in attendance. They did feature only, 15 laps. It was the final feature of the night. And Alicia Bay... Career win number 11 in the 305 sprints at the Land of Legends. She got the win over Brandon Griffin. Dan Cron finished third. Trevor Years was fourth. And Bobby Pero. Bobby Pero. What a what a uh, throwback there to have Bobby Pero racing at the Land of Legends. He ran rounded out the top five. Ethan Gray and Kyle Pierce, who got upside down and then rolled off. Uh, and got pushed off, Brad. That I've, I'm not sure I've seen that in a long time. I don't know about you, a car rolling over and then pushing off to finish the feature. That was, uh, that was pretty interesting. Speed Connection Sportsman, their 25-lap feature, and this was a thriller. Uh, Matt Guary gets the win, and uh, we'll talk about this win for Guary a little bit later in the show. 
He picked up the $1,000 win. Kevin Ridley was in there for second. Kevin Root, who led late, finished third, uh, had some contact with a lap car with a lap and a half to go, cut the right front tire down, and uh, ended his run. Kane Bristol was fourth. Scott Kerwin, in a return to the land of legends and a sportsman, was fifth. Frank Weary Jr. had a great night for that 113 after they struggled the night before. Zach Payne was seventh. Brian Fish, a newcomer, was eighth. Zach Sabaka was ninth. And Paul Guerry, the all-time sportsman feature winner, heads up that list with 45 career wins, rounded out your top 10 in the Speed Connection Sportsman. Now to the Pepsi Big Block Modifieds and talk about a thriller. Wow, Pat Ward, $2,500 to the winner. Pat Ward, he put uh, put the uh, checkered flag in his trailer on the way home. He picked up the win over Dylan Groover, career best second place finish for the 12X. Alan Johnson was third. Justin Hare's fourth. Kyle Coffey, who led early, rounded out the top five. Eric Rudolph, who came back from a broken right rear shock, finished sixth. Dave Marcacelli, a great effort to finish seventh in Mike Payne's big block. Chris Heil in a rare land of legend start was eighth, Matt Farnham ninth, and Tyler Trump in his first feature go in a big block at Canadagua rounded out the top 10. Those were your finish orders from opening night on Saturday night. And then as we take a look at the racing action from the Tuesday night spectacular, it was big block modifieds and sportsmen on the card. We'll look at the sportsmen first. He had a heartbreaker on Saturday night. Kevin Root comes back in dominant fashion to win the Speed Connection Sportsman feature event. 30 laps was the distance there. $1,000 going home with Kevin Root. Matt Guerry, what a way to start off his season. A win in a second. Guerry finished in the second spot. Kevin Ridley, third, once again, uh, after finishing second on Saturday night. He's off to a great start. Garrison Krentz had a great bounce back effort. They struggled on Saturday. They got fourth on Tuesday. Kyle Inman and a brand new Troyer rounded out the top five. Six or 10 on Tuesday was Kane Bristol, AJ Lloyd, Brian Fish, Zach Payne, and Addison Bowman. And then in the big block modifieds, he had uh, to go through the field twice on Saturday, only to get a right front flat tire late in the race. But boy, did he pick up a big win on Tuesday. Lightning Larry White. Out of Phoenix, New York, picked up the $2,500 win. Matt Shepard was second. Stuart Friesen in a rare land of legend start was third. Alan Johnson, fourth. Peter Britton, fifth. Billy Decker was sixth. Eric Rudolph, seventh. Tim Fuller, eighth. Justin Wright, ninth. And Jimmy Phelps, the Baldwinsville Bandit, making his first start of the season in 2020, rounded out the top 10. Brad, um, our modified winners, Pat Ward, Larry White, it's been all Team Gypsum Express to start out the 2020 campaign. They've been on fire here so far. Yeah, they're they're really putting on a really good showing here at Lane of Legends early, really showing some pretty good dominance right out of the gate from that whole entire Gypsum team. And, and Larry White in general, I don't recall him really being a big Land of Legends, you know, having a lot of success there other than of lately. You know, he's just so fast, so good up on that high side and really wheeling it. I think the uh, current track conditions with the new clay maybe fit right into his ballpark of really really muscling that car around and, and making it go where he wants it to go. 
No doubt about it. And, you know, Larry White, let's face it, Larry White loves to be the rabbit. He loves to get out there and set a fast pace right off the drop of the green. He wants to get to the front as soon as humanly possible. And there was a few times on Tuesday night where I thought he was going off a of turn three onto the pit road because he was pushing that outside, uh, not, not so much a cushion, but just pushing the edge on that outside lane as far as she would go. So those are the results from Saturday and Tuesday night. That's our heat race number one. It's now taking the checkered flag from the rooster. When we come back, heat race number two will be on the lineup, and that's our highlight of the week. You don't want to miss it. Land of Legends Raceway fans, tune in each and every week of the racing season to Where the Legends Are Made, a podcast dedicated to covering the drama, excitement, and hear from the drivers from your favorite dirt track. Stephen Ovens and Brad Ovens walk you through the week that was Where the Legends Are Made. Subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts and visit landoflegendspodcast.com. Fans of Land of Legends Raceway and the Where Legends Are Made podcast, We've got a great opportunity for you to feature your business. We have opportunities here to sponsor where legends are made. We have all different features of the podcast. You can pick to be a sponsor of one of our heat races. Maybe you want your business name attached to the top 10 read-offs for the week. Maybe you want your business to be the one that's heard when we play our highlight of the week. Maybe you're a history buff. You want to sponsor heat three where we talk about this week in Land of Legends Raceway history. Maybe you want to be the A main sponsor. So when we interview our main driver of the week, you want to get your business out in front of that. We've got plenty of opportunities for you to do so, and we can work inside of any budget. And believe me, if you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, I don't think my business has the advertising budget to sponsor a podcast, believe me, we can fit inside of anybody's advertising budget. Get your business a little bit of advertising here on where legends are made. Contact us right here on the Land of Legends Raceway Facebook page if you're interested and put your business in front of all of our fans where legends are made. Now it's time for this week's highlight of the week. Take it away, Brad. That's right. It's Brad's favorite portion of the program each and every week. This is the Heat race number two, which is rolling off onto the racetrack right now. And heat race number two is our highlight of the week. So Brad Ovens will take us back into the production studio here at the Land of Legends Raceway. Let's go into the vault and see what the highlight of the week is from week number one. The highlight of the week for week number one. I don't think anybody could argue with this. Let's take a listen. Still going to be Pat Ward and they make contact. Britton has broken the race car. Peter Bredden comes to a stop in turn number one. There was contact here on the front straightaway, and Peter Bredden has got a broken race car. Well, Brad, uh, that highlight of the week certainly had a lot of folks talking in the dirt racing world, and it was interesting. You know, I, I think you've got two drivers here that are, are not going to agree on how this incident unfolded. When Pat Ward got into victory lane, he immediately, you know, within the first couple of questions in victory lane, went right to an apology for the contact with Peter that, that ended Peter Britton's night in the front stretch concrete and eventually the turn one uh, implement tire. You know, he apologized right away for that. And then I saw an interview that uh, Doug Elkins, one of our uh, colleagues at the racetrack, did with Peter uh, before Tuesday's show. 
And Peter was a little hot under the collar about the fact that, you know, he felt like between turns one and turn three, that he was up alongside Pat far enough that he thought Pat should have known that he was there. But this is one of those racing incidents and and Doug Elkins hit it on the head, Brad. This is one of those incidents that people are going to see a lot of different ways and the drivers are certainly not going to agree on it. I don't, you know, necessarily have an opinion on it, but I do think it was two guys racing for the same piece of real estate. Pat knows that if Peter gets by him, the race is likely over for, for Pat to get the win. Britain knows that if he doesn't put the car there in that spot, that may be his only shot to win the race. I can't blame either of these guys for racing hard. At the end of the day, guys like you and me on the production team, we love that kind of racing because it's entertaining for our fans that are watching at home. And that's kind of my takeaway. Yeah, I, I definitely think I can understand uh, Britain's viewpoint on the fact of just the, the sense. I think I heard Peter say, even on a Facebook post uh, uh, a day or two later, that Pat's just not one of those guys that you expect to come up and try and chop you off or to race you that, that kind of way. But I also, I'm almost wondering... You know, we saw Pat uh, running the bottom for a majority of the race. I'm, I'm would even be willing to bet that maybe, maybe in his mind, he didn't expect Britain to actually be there with as big of a run as they were getting on the high side with all of that moisture. Even, even with the the daytime race uh, beforehand and the track being as hard and slick as it was towards the bottom. Nah, I think it was just one of those deals of hard racing. Peter himself hit the nail on the head that Pat Ward's just not one of those guys that's just going to come out and make a move like that. That was super uncharacteristic of him. And I think you hitting the same nail on the same same head, uh, just the fact of in this sport, you have limited opportunities and limited chances to put a car somewhere, put yourself in a position to be able to make a move like that to potentially win the race. I, I think it was just a really unfortunate racing deal that, unfortunately for, for Pat, you know, in today's technology, in today's world, we have ways of doing replays and highlights, and, and that'll make a lot of highlights and replays for a long time to come, but a, a racing deal for sure. Absolutely. You know, for Peter Britton, it's, it was simple. It was make a move to, to potentially try and win $2,500, and if it didn't pay off, well, we saw the, the end result about $2,500 worth of damage. That's just how quickly things happen at the Land of Legends. That's heat race number two, our highlight of the week. Let's roll back the calendar with this week in Land of Legends history. Heat race number three is lined up, bringing it off a turn four to the always locked self-storage start point. Rooster's got the green flag in the air, and it's time for this week in Land of Legends history. And with that, we go back to uh, our winner from the sportsman division, Matt Guerry, who on Saturday night picked up his seventh career win in the sportsman division. And what was interesting about that is his first win at the Land of Legends in a sportsman car actually came this week on June 13th, 2015. And what I also thought was interesting is going into Saturday night, Matt Guerry had six career wins in the sportsman division, his first one coming in June of 2015. And those six wins, two of them were opening night victories at the Land of Legends. He won opening night back in 2000 and, uh, 2017 and 2018. 
He then uh, takes 2019 off, wins opening night again in 2020. So three of his seven feature wins at the Land of Legends in a sportsman ride have come on opening night. Uh, Another piece of history as well that I think was worth mentioning that maybe wasn't exactly this week in Land of Legends history, Brad, but I think it bears repeating. Pat Ward winning the modified feature on Saturday night. It was his seventh career win at Canadagua, but his first win in 20 years. And I, I saw that Joe Plazic took to, I believe it was Facebook and Twitter. Joe Plazic mentioned it was nice to see Pat Ward get a win. Uh, a guy, one of the old guys taking it to the young guns out there. So even, you know, somebody with as much history at the track as Joe Plazic has, uh, he came out uh, in support of Pat Ward, who picked up his seventh career win at the Land of Legends. It was uh, his first in 20 years. His first win uh, actually be a great uh, this week in Land of Legends history next week. Pat Ward's first career modified win came on June 20th, 1998. He hadn't won a race at Canadagua since August 5th of 2000. So he picked up six wins between the 98, 99, and 2000 seasons. And I believe those were the years that uh, Pat Ward was behind the wheel of the uh, Finch's 56 machine. Uh, Or that may have even been the early start of his run with the Gypsum Express car. But, um, you know, for a guy that's not gotten a win in 20 years at Canadagua, that was pretty cool to be a part of on Saturday night. And one other little nugget that we'll drop in here, Brad. Who would have thought that for Larry White and the success that he's had in a short amount of time that he's been behind the wheel of one of these modifieds, it was his first career Canadagua win on Tuesday night in a big block. He had a sprint car win, but not a big block modified win until Tuesday night. I don't know about you, Brad, but that caught me by surprise. Yeah, like I was uh, mentioned earlier in the episode here, um, it, it's kind of one of those surprising things to me with the success that Larry's had at all of the different tracks. Land of Legends is just one of those tracks to me that I've never really, uh, not that I haven't seen performance, but he just hasn't shown the dominance like he's had as of late. It's impressive. And to get come out and get your first, first career win at Land of Legends, couldn't have done it at a better time. No, no, not at all. Big $2,500 win there for Larry White to wrap it up, uh, wrap up our program on Tuesday night, the Tuesday night spectacular. So that is heat race number three this week, this week in land of legends history, taking a look back at history in the past and history made this weekend by Matt Guary, Pat Ward and Larry White. Land of Legends Raceway fans, tune in each and every week of the racing season to Where the Legends Are Made, a podcast dedicated to covering the drama, excitement, and hear from the drivers from your favorite dirt track. Stephen Ovens and Brad Ovens walk you through the week that was Where the Legends Are Made. Subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts and visit landoflegendspodcast.com. Fans of Land of Legends Raceway and the Where Legends Are Made podcast, We've got a great opportunity for you to feature your business. We have opportunities here to sponsor where legends are made. We have all different features of the podcast. You can pick to be a sponsor of one of our heat races. Maybe you want your business name attached to the top 10 read-offs for the week. Maybe you want your business to be the one that's heard 
when we play our highlight of the week. Maybe you're a history buff. You want to sponsor Heat 3, where we talk about this week in Land of Legends Raceway history. Maybe you want to be the A-Main sponsor. So when we interview our main driver of the week, you want to get your business out in front of that. We've got plenty of opportunities for you to do so, and we can work inside of any budget. And believe me, if you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, I don't think my business has the advertising budget to sponsor a podcast, believe me, we can fit inside of anybody's advertising budget. Get your business a little bit of advertising here on where legends are made. Contact us right here on the Land of Legends Raceway Facebook page if you're interested and put your business in front of all of our fans where legends are made. Whether you hug the infield tires or rip the cushion, you found the fastest dirt track podcast in motorsports. Welcome to Where Legends Are Made, the official podcast of Land of Legends Raceway. Here's Stephen and Brad Ovens. By the grace of God and 800 horsepower, it's time for the A-Main interview of the week. Yes, indeed. It is time for the A-Main interview here on Where Legends Are Made. And for the first A-Main interview for the first official episode of the podcast, we didn't think there was anybody else that uh, would have been appropriate to start this podcast with than to get a word with uh, the man in charge, the promoter of the Land of Legends Raceway, Paul Cole, joining us here. For this week's A-Main interview, we'll take the green flag here. Paul, welcome aboard. Oh, thanks for having me, Stephen. I, I guess it's, uh, I, don't, I wouldn't call it kissing up, but I do appreciate the opportunity to be the first guest. <laughs> um, but uh, we're excited about getting this season kicked off. Uh, you know, it's been a long spring and cooking into summer before racing got started this week. I'm just happy that uh, we're, we're watching cars going around at the Land of Legends again. I was on a uh, I was on a Zoom meeting uh, for work this week, talking to you know just talking some general topics with coworkers and and somebody uh, that I was on the call with pointed out that you know man you guys have got two races in the season now that's got to be real good medicine for a lot of people whether it was the people that got to be at the track or or the people that could still tune in from home. Uh, and I, I just, I thought that was an interesting point that somebody kind of outside of the racing circles made from afar. And, and I couldn't agree with them more. I, I think just getting to the track, just for practice before we raced, just getting to the track for practice was good medicine. And then we got two big doses of it with two awesome races. And, and Paul, I don't think the action couldn't have been any better. No, absolutely. Fantastic racing. It was, it was actually uh, sickening to sit in the stands by myself, uh, watching uh, a whole lot of people missing probably the best show. I, I guess if I was paying for it, it was it was it was it was well worth it. Um, but at the same time, it was you know you, you want to turn and high five the neighbor and say, "Did you just see that?" Uh, and that was that didn't happen just once in a race. We saw it at five, six, seven times in each of the races we've had so far. Uh, and uh, the good the good thing is we got it on tape and on pay per view. Uh, but the bad part is, is the mental therapy that that not only did the racers uh, and and we needed as 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 a t- as a team, um, we need that mental therapy to be able to transfer over to the uh, to the fans and get them back uh, into into normal routines and enjoying uh, their favorite sport of uh, auto racing. Talking about the the good racing that we saw on the racetrack. I think we saw right away that um, the time invested, the the capital investment 
for, to, to bring all of the new clay onto the racetrack seemed to pay off right from night number one. We knew, we knew when I took over the track that we needed clay right then. Um, you know, a sculptor can't do much with a golf ball size of clay. They need a beach ball size. Uh, to, in order to make a uh, you know a good statue, and uh, we didn't have much clay to start with. Uh, circumstances prevented us from getting any clay on there till this last fall, um, between the weather and uh, some uh, legal issues when we first took over the the uh, facility, um, and and making sure that it hears and hears safely. Uh, it took till this last fall, and uh, Lee DePew and the guys, uh, rather than go to Super Dirt Week. Uh, took that great weather that week and, and put the clay down and uh, 230 loads of brand new fresh clay uh, with nary a rock in it uh, has turned into a magnificent uh, uh, facility to, you know, for him to work with for this year. And uh, you know, right out of the box, the, the first night it was probably uh, some of the best racing and the best clay. Uh, we had guys that have been racing here for, for dozens of years uh, come up and tell us what, you know, it's the best they've seen the track in uh, quite a long time we had a couple of practice sessions before the first race but what were the nerves like before that first race day to, to see what the surface was going to do under race conditions or, or did you guys feel like the practice sessions gave you a, 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 a some confidence going into that first race already well, definitely before the first night of practice you know there was a lot of bundles of nerves just like anything else a new any any new venture uh uh, it makes you, makes you excited. Even the first night of racing for guys that have raced for 30 years, they still get butterflies. So that was an un, unexpected. Um, but after the first night of racing or first night of practice, we knew the track was in good shape and, uh, more cars we get done on it, the better it gets. And, uh, uh, I think, uh, it, it hasn't even hit, it, hit its, hit its prime, prime, uh, prime status yet. A few more, a few more races and this place is going to be absolutely mint. And uh, Lee keeps doing a great job of uh, following through that. Even even on on Tuesday when we had 90 degrees, uh, the dust was up there, but not as bad as it could have been for as uh, as dry as it was. Uh, we, we had a really good show, and uh, those drivers, uh, some of the best in the Northeast Super Dark Series, uh, rated uh, big block guys, uh, put out a hell of a show. Yeah, they definitely did. Now. Paul, I know that there were some drivers and, and a couple fans alike that you know had put some comments out about what we saw car count wise on Tuesday, and and I saw that you were quick to respond to some of that. Um, take me through that a little bit because twenty six and eighteen, I think some people may have seen those numbers and been disappointed in the turnout Tuesday, but I think what we had to keep in mind too Tuesday was 26 big blocks, but we had some of the most potent big blocks in the Northeast there. And I think the same could be said on the sportsman side, but there were so many factors that go into that. Um, but I thought that your response and your take was interesting. And, and if folks didn't see that on social media this week, I, I, I wanted to kind of go over that with you here for anybody that might be listening to the podcast. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, this is, this is exactly what it is. I mean, there's more to racing than just showing up and putting your car on the track. Uh, every person out there has a life and they just went through one of the most traumatic and memorable times of their life where uh, they didn't work for several weeks. Sometimes people didn't leave their house for, for a couple months and to just get back to normal 
um, is not just walking out the door. You got to feel good about what you're doing. Um, we know a lot of sportsman drivers. I expected we would see, you know, 60, 70 sportsman drivers last Saturday thinking that, you know, everybody's, everybody's in closer, they're pent up, ready to go. But a lot of people also didn't work for the last couple months. Don't have a job right now. Um, have limited income. May not have the crew to travel a little bit further away. Um, there's a reality of the the economic backlash from the shutdown that is going to not only start the season, it's going to finish the season too. Um, we've got guys that are out here now that might not be able to sustain getting through the season. We've got guys that haven't got, gotten out yet because they're still getting their wits about them to be out racing. You know, one of the reasons why I think the big blocks are so were so big, and one of the reasons why we put that show together was simply the fact that racers don't get uh, unemployment checks. You know, the professional racers, that's their job is to race. And with no racing, they're making nothing. They didn't go, they could go down and get unemployment. Um, so we got a lot of those guys that have showed up and were able to put on a, a great show because they have an opportunity to make a paycheck, something they haven't been able to do in New York in, uh, you know, the better part of six months. So, you know, that's that's the, the, the double edge of it. We're, we're working to give them opportunities to make, make a, a paycheck. Um, so that they're here around in the fall because if they have to change jobs or do something different or move out of state or go race other types of cars, they're not going to be able to come back here in the fall. And, uh, you know, you have to invest in the sport in order to get a return. And, uh, you know, over the last two years, we've invested a lot in the track to get a return. We've been, we've been, you have to invest just as much in your, in your labor capital. And that's the best of drivers and the teams. And, uh, you can't be mad that your guys that come and race every Saturday night, um, because they have to work their their forty hour a week job or sixty hour a week job during the week, and uh, giving up those extra hours right now to to catch an extra race uh, might make the difference whether they can pay their bills. One of the one of the things that we've seen, you know, in the past, and and I think even some drivers have have talked or asked about is you know in trying to achieve a certain number of drivers at midweek shows, you know, attaching show up points to these types of shows, but that's not something that you've elected to do. Uh, is that something that you plan to continue or is that a consideration going forward? Well, right now we're only practicing in about two weeks in advance, just like the, uh, the governor of New York, you know, we practice, we can't plan out much further than that. Um, so we're trying to give as much time as we can for people to prepare, but I don't think it's fair for me to attach, uh, uh, show up points to a, to a weekly show or midweek show when uh, we we uh, primarily are a Saturday night show. We we had to see the schedule out for the whole season. People could make a prepare. Um, they would have had an opportunity to adjust their lifestyles or their or their work schedules to meet those. But it's not fair for right now. We'll we'll take a week and get and uh, be happy. This next week we're going to have a big uh, 360 show, which will be the first show in. Uh, uh, New York state for three sixties. Those guys are itching to race. Um, and, uh, we, I think we're going to have an enormous crowd with that. And, uh, you know, if we get 18 sportsmen again, that's okay. It's a good show for them. And, uh, give us, give some of those guys a good, uh, extra, extra window to do some business too. Absolutely. Talking about, you know, what, you know, is schedule and, and right now, you know, there's, there's things that are such in flux in terms of, you know, what's, uh, you know, allowable and what's not in New York state. Uh, do, do we have any further clarity at, at this point uh, in terms of what we can do scheduling wise? It, it looks like racing is still 
phase four, but it sounds like that could be coming sooner than, than most thought when this all started. Well, they just, they just acknowledged phase three starts tomorrow. So if phase four is two is, you know, basically two weeks from now, um, that may, that may come up around June 26th, which is just in time for us to race on June 27th, hopefully with some fans. The interesting question is there's an executive order that, that bars fans till July 2nd. Um, so we, we might be up into that window, um, or the governor may change anything. He may even open a, a phase four, but limit, limit the amount of, uh, uh, limit the amount of uh, attendance. So maybe it's only 10% or it's 30% or it's 50%. Uh, but that we won't know until uh, we reach that window. And uh, we're hopeful that that's uh, uh, comes with real, real, with real clarity sooner than later. Um, but, you know, it's, it's Governor Cuomo and uh, it's his decision as we move along. Um, you know, people have been frustrated just open. And uh, I get that. I understand that. Uh, but we're respectful to our to our landlords, the Interior County uh, Agricultural Society, the Fair Board, um, and our local officials who uh, work hard to help us uh, year in and year out keep racing alive in, in, in Canandaigua. And uh, it would be an affront to them if we uh, just broke the rules just because. Definitely. Um, kind of zooming out a bit and, and looking even bigger picture here. Uh, Let's roll the calendar back a bit. Uh, we, we've talked about everything that's happening now in these last week or two, uh, but looking even bigger picture, what what made a a business owner in Newark, New York, decide that he wanted to promote a racetrack? Well, they, they caught me on a bad day on a weak moment, and, and <laughs> you know it's it was it's all good. Um, it started out as a, as a sponsor. Um, you know, I realized what, what sponsoring racing did for, for those for my business. We sell generators and pressure washers and winches, uh, three things that most every racer uses, uh, hopefully not the winch very often, but um, it's a good primary business for us. And uh, as I got, you know, visiting, you know, you watch the, the different aspects of what goes into racing. And uh, I saw a lot of things that were being underperformed. And as a business person, you, you, you work to try to, uh, reach and excel things. And uh, uh, when the fair board reached out to me and asked me if I was interested, um, some of it was a little bit of a challenge of being able to uh, uh, take something that I thought was underperforming and see if we could take it to a new level. And uh, the five-year plan uh, included this live streaming, it included the app, it included uh, you know, our video board, um, and the, uh, the overhaul of what racing looks like in a local community. Uh, it's still got two more years of that business plan that we haven't reached out to yet. And we haven't spilled all the beans on yet. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful we'll be able to take this continually to, to the next level. And, um, we've been working with the fair board on getting new grandstands to help the fans. Uh, you know, we're adding more advertising platforms. We're adding, obviously the live stream worked out well for us this year. Uh, the app is going to work out well for us this year, but we have more places to go and, uh, trying to, trying to build the racing as a uh, as a bigger industry in the uh, in the Candaigua region, and uh, you know, oddly enough, even though uh, everything else has been shut down, racing is the first thing that's been open. Um, we we got a we got a, a a wide open target right now to to attract new fans and uh, people that are looking to get out of their house, and uh, I hope we're able to hit those strides the minute the uh, fans are allowed here and we can fill the grandstands and uh, 
put, you know, continue to put on the good shows we've been putting on, but now doing it for people in person. As you, as you peruse social media, especially, you know, after the track was got reopened here for 2020 and, and we got to participate in the, in the first actual race event of the season, albeit without fans, you know, you, you peruse social media and, and you, you see uh, Paul Cole's name tagged over and over again. You know, uh, Paul Cole has, has saved racing in Canandaigua. He's brought racing back before other places, you know, uh, have opened or, or, you know, opened without fans and, and whatnot. How do you react when you see stuff like that? You know, just seeing so many fans and not just fans, but race teams themselves too, that, you know, are, are, are not bashful to, to sing your praises on social media about what you've done with the land of legends. How, how do you react to that when you see that? Uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I'm the first person that I'd like everybody to call me bad names uh, because it keeps my expectations of what, how I have to perform uh, a little bit lower. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's comforting to know that uh, we're, you know, what we're doing is, is, is uh is responsive and and meeting the needs of what people uh are looking for um you know that's that's what a promoter's job is to do the promoter's job is to is to find people happiness we're trying to find people you know a fun night out we're trying to find people a good place to race we're trying to find advertisers a good place to to put their products in front of customers um and when we're successful you know, it's it's nice to see the rewards when you when you look in the in the in the till of the end of the night. Um, it's just as rewarding to watch the smiles on people's faces. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people come in and out of this industry that you know it can be very stressful. Whether you're a driver or you're a crew member, um, if you're an advertiser, a lot of people you know face a lot of stress with this, and uh, you know they get the highs and the lows. Um, I like to see more highs and less lows. And uh, that's one of, the, one of the things I've noticed between the, uh, the staff, the great team that we put together, um, they leave going home with a, with a smile on their face. They leave with a smile on their face. They were entertained for an evening, you know, or they have a, a full belly of good, good uh, track food. The racers are going home, you know, you know, of course, the winner is usually the only one that goes home with the biggest smile. But sometimes uh, just having a better night or having uh, uh, at least somebody understanding their, their frustrations um, has helped to improve um, racing as a whole in the community. And uh, that's what we're going to keep trying to work at. It's, it's not about that one night. It's about setting a tone of the future. And, uh, uh, you know, when people start talking and, and adding my name to those monikers, uh, I'm just lucky enough and fortunate enough to be uh, the current promoter. Um, and, uh, you know, somewhere down the road, I'll, I'll be able to reflect back and, and, and uh, see what see what we accomplished but we've got a ways to go yet we're just getting started on race night uh is, is there is and obviously these first two races are a little bit different because you know we don't have fans in the stands yet uh so <laughs> there's there's more there's more places that you could go to take in the racing during the night but on a normal night l- looking back at last year is there a period of the night is there a location where you go as the promoter to, to try and take it all in or as a night as the promoter in, in your shoes is, is everything so fast paced that 
you don't always get that opportunity to take it all in. Well, you don't always get an opportunity, but I would say out of the 18 shows or 19 shows we had last year, um, I probably watched uh, the most in one spot probably three or four times. Um, you know, some nights I was with a, with a sponsor. Uh, some nights I was in the tower, in the official's tower. Uh, some nights I'm down with the track crew. Um, a couple of times you might find me in the infield. Uh, you'll, you'll find me out at tech, uh, you know, working with the tech to you know, help improve things they're doing. Uh, I don't feel comfortable being in one spot because in one spot, you only get one view. And uh, the only way to, to improve and continue to evolve is to uh, move around and uh, make sure you're, you're, you're experiencing all the aspects. You know, I get to enjoy the racing. I, I, I'll be the first person to admit I'm probably the biggest fan. Otherwise, I wouldn't have put a you know, half million dollars into a facility. Um, but, you know, the only way to get things better is to, is to watch and learn and, uh, and try to improve on those things. And, you know, as racing goes, every night we've, we've come across something that I never expected would happen before. And uh, I've learned that uh, reacting on the fly uh, is certainly one of my strong points. We certainly look forward to we certainly look forward to the day when we're able to have fans in the grandstands again, and we're hoping that that's a lot sooner than later. Um, but what it, it, at this point in time, where we hope we only have just a couple shows left before we can bring the fans back to the grandstands? What as a promoter, as a as a race fan, as you know, a, a local business owner, what would be your message to the fans that you know right now are are relying on our live coverage? Which you know, by the way, Tuesday night was the largest viewing audience we've had on Land of Legends TV, and and that and I don't say just Land of Legends TV, the the live streaming as a whole. What what is what is your message as we close here? What is your message to the fans as uh, as everybody continues to try and exude as much patience as possible? You know, don't don't uh, you're preaching to the choir. We want we want you here as much as everybody else. Everybody wants to be here as quickly as we can. But I guarantee you, um, when that first night happens, uh, it'll be a fresh, clean hit. Uh, you know, just like when you gave up uh, something for Lent. Uh, that first that first candy bar after Lent, uh, you're going to you're going to appreciate it more. Um, I'm looking forward to that night when when people come in and they they go say, "Amen, I finally got my hot dog." Amen, I can't wait to get dirt in my beer. Um, there, that fresh clean hit is going to be uh, a good therapy not only for uh, the economy um, but for each of those people. And uh, uh, we're looking forward to bringing more friends and fans and. Uh, uh, give a new birth to uh, to racing uh, as an industry and as uh, uh, a start for 2020. Well, we get back to a one event program here on Saturday night. Street stocks, hobby stocks will be feature only. They'll join the 305 sprints, the sportsmen, and the big block modifieds. And uh, we're looking forward to having everybody together in one program. Uh, tried out the daytime show, but Paul, it looks like, you know, we can accommodate, you know, as many as we need to, to put everybody together. And we're looking forward to that. Yeah, we weren't sure going in. Everything has been a little bit of a test and test and trial. Um, we found out real quickly on Saturday, we, we, we could have usually added another hundred cars. We couldn't get it done with the rain, um, but we definitely could have got another hundred cars in the facility. 
so space is not a problem. Uh, we adjust the times a little bit, and uh, the racers are looking forward to that uh, that evening program. And the weather looks absolutely spectacular for 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 Saturday afternoon, uh, 65 and partly cloudy. Uh, and uh, uh, we'll 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 keep precipitation uh, off the radar screen. I hope. Well, uh, we appreciate your time, Paul. You know, we, we thought, you know, so many people have turned to you, whether it's on social media or even as the promoter of the racetrack, you know, trying to find their way through this, you know, uncertain time, really not knowing what was next, what was behind door number one or door number two. And um, we appreciate you joining us here for the A-Main interview and kind of checking in with the fans and, uh, knowing that uh, we'll all be together very soon, all together at the racetrack and uh, not just being able to watch from home. So we appreciate the time. Thank you, Stephen. All right, there's Paul Cole, promoter of the Land of Legends Raceway with this week's A-Main interview. Be sure to tune in next week for our next A-Main interview. We'll have at least one. Some weeks, if we get a little froggy, we may get two A-Main interviews of the week. But be sure to tune in. Uh, the A-Main interview, checking in with a face at the racetrack from the Land of Legends Raceway here on Where Legends Are Made. Land of Legends fans, want to win some swag? Listen up for this week's Dash for Cash. Well, we've got them lined up two by two. It's our final segment of this week's podcast. It's the Dash for Cash, where we preview the upcoming week at the Land of Legends Raceway, and we also uh, do a, any kind of giveaways that we may have. And Brad, we've got a special dash for cash this week. Before we get to our preview, we've got a giveaway coming up and it's coming up this coming Wednesday for our 360 sprint show. Uh, Kelly Hebing has a front wing off from her number 10 car autographed front wing. It is a little crumpled up, but we're going to be doing a giveaway contest with Kelly Hebing on Wednesday for our 360 Sprint Show. So stay tuned to the Land of Legends Raceway uh, Twitter account as well as Facebook account. We will have a way for you to either share something or retweet something on Twitter or on Facebook. Be sure to keep an eye out for that. That's going to be our Dash for Cash for this week's podcast episode. Stay tuned to Wednesday night for your chance to win a front wing off of Kelly Hebing's 360 sprint car would go great in the man cave would go great in the race shop. Uh, Hey, if you've got a a little, maybe it would even uh, go great uh, hanging on the wall in the bedroom for your little race fans. So uh, be sure to stay tuned for that. Brad talking about what's coming up this week, week number two, our second Saturday night show, our third race event of 2020. And I'm personally looking forward to it. We're going to have all of our divisions on one card in the evening. And I know the street stock guys that saw this come out are very excited about it. I'm excited about it. How about you? One card on Saturday night. Yeah, you, you literally took the words right out of my mouth. was just uh, exciting to see um, everybody on the same, the same racing ground. I think it's going to help the racetrack. Uh, we're going to eliminate some of the daytime racing. And uh, it's kind of even nice with the uh, – the abbreviated schedule and, and the car counts that we're having, we can actually even push it back a little, you know, push it back. The sh- push the sh- push the show back. I will spit this out sometime tonight. And then uh, we can push it back half an hour and try and get a little more into the evening racing to, 
to try and preserve some of that racetrack because I still, even to this point, I don't think we've really seen what this racetrack really is capable of producing as far as track conditions and, and some really good high bite tacky racing. Brad, I don't know if Lee DePew listens to the podcast or not yet, but I've got good news for him come Saturday as well. How about this? And Brad, you've done track prep uh, in your past as well. How about this for you? 60 degrees on Saturday is a high. Uh, we're going to see a fast racetrack come Saturday night. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really going to help. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing is just that sun. Um, even on a, a cooler day like that, you get the sun beating down on it, and the sun will either be your best friend or your worst enemy. Uh, but a combination of things, you know, I think they've really – even the racing that we had, we, we haven't had the track ripples. We haven't had to deal with any real holes. Uh, the few little issues that we did notice in practice races, they've now groomed and fixed. And I'll tell you what, I, mean, I don't know how Lee DePew and his crew does some of the work that they do and how they manage to accomplish it the way they do it. Um, but my hat's off to Lee and all those guys. Cause like you said, I I've done it before. I know how frustrating and how much work it goes into just even just watering the track for a week to get prepped on top of having to do all the actual work to manicure the track. Um, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it and, and my hat's off to those guys. So for this week's race, Saturday, June 13th, uh, pit gates open at three 30 in the afternoon. Uh, 305 sprint heat in the motor will take place at 5:40 PM. Hot laps will get underway at 5:45, and it's timed hot laps for the big block modifieds and the sportsmen. 6:30 PM will get into the national anthem, and then at 6:35 PM, the first heat races of the night will roll off. The order of events will be street stocks, sportsmen, 305 sprints, and the big blocks. Then come feature time, the hobby stocks, feature only, 15 laps will kick off our program. Street stocks, 305, sportsmen, big blocks, and then the sportsman B feature, 15 laps in distance, time permitting. Pit passes are $40 on Saturday night, and you can see all the action live on landoflegendstv.com for just 15 bucks. You can't beat it for the production that you're going to see on Saturday night. Brad, any other closing thoughts here? Our first official episode in the books. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, like you said, there's there's so much more to come. We've got a lot of great racing, even though we've got a shortened season. You know, there's some midweek shows. We're going to host the first 360 sprint car race in New York State. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. There's a lot of really good things coming out of Land of Legends. Stay tuned. Keep your eye out. And like you said, Go to LandaLegendsTV.com, $15 for a, um, a single event pass. Season, season passes are still available. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good things to come. Absolutely. Visit LandofLegendsRaceway.com. Download the free Land of Legends app. You can download that from the Apple App Store as well as Google Play. Search Land of Legends, and it's a free download. You have all the information you could want at your fingertips follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at land of legends ny uh for brad ovens my name is steve ovens thank you very much for tuning in to episode one we will see you next week where legends are made
Land of Legends Raceway fans, tune in each and every week of the racing season to Where Legends Are Made, a podcast dedicated to covering the drama, excitement, and hear from the drivers from your favorite dirt track. Stephen Ovens and Brad Ovens walk you through the week that was Where Legends Are Made. Subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts and visit landoflegendspodcast.com.